What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, and this is your Money in the Bank 2023 review that I didn't really know I was going to do. Uh, as I said in the preview, the uh, the plan was to make whatever happened at Money in the Bank part of next week's episode of WWE. Last week, we could do the pay-per-view and all the fallout, and that would be fine, but a lot of stuff happened on this show, and as the show rolled on, found I had a lot of stuff to say. So to make it a quick clip at the beginning of a much larger, uh, much larger pod didn't make sense. So I'm going to come up here. I'm going to give you some very, very preliminary thoughts, and these may change over the week depending on how they develop and and whatever the case may be. So these are just my initial thoughts. Um, you guys will be getting these these Sunday morning now. Time time difference being what it is. Yeah, we got this at 3 p.m. and uh, yeah, I could have done it tonight and I could have put it up tonight, but I had to go see a movie after this show was over. Went and saw Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny. It's one of those, if you like big dumb Indiana Jones fun, you'll like the movie. That's that's my quick review of Indiana Jones. But here's the thing. Here's the here's the here's the key point. And uh, this is where living really really close to the theater uh, works out in my favor because not only watching the pay per view, also watching the uh, the what culture watch along. Shout out to uh, Adam Wilborn and uh, Michael Hamlet. So the show for me ended at 6:45. At 6:58, I was in my seat for a seven o'clock show. So I watched the show. I went to the movies. I sat on the bus on the way home from the movies, thinking about what uh, what I was going to say about this show, and I thought, you know what, I'll do I'll do a one-off, I'll do a initial pay-per-view thoughts, and if you guys would like me to do shit like this, uh, a little bit of an individualized uh, pay-per-view review rather than uh, clipping it on to next week's episode of WWE last week, let me know down in the comment section below, because I don't know that it'll always be possible, but definitely when we get these international shows, these uh, shows that are basically popping up in the midday, uh, it might be something I look into doing, and uh, with a certain announcement that was teased, that might very well be a thing in the future, speaking of uh, international shows, but we'll get there when we get there. I, I want to make a loaded statement here, because I want to say that this show was better than Forbidden Door. But I want to put a caveat on that. Yes, I was at Forbidden Door, so that's a pretty asinine thing for me to say. But I'm a WWE guy over an AEW guy, for one thing. I have... This is nothing against the wrestlers. I have little or no investment in anything to do with New Japan. And I'm sorry, WWE is just way more up my street, and they've got more stories going on, and they are telling cinema! Are they not in uh, in more than just one story, but definitely in that in that one story? Simple, shorter show, uh, concise. We only told a couple of stories. A lot of surprises on this show tonight as well, which was kind of cool. So, as asinine as it is, I like being at wrestling live. It was an awesome time being at Collision and Forbidden Door when they were in Toronto. But, look, stacking up the shows side by side, I think this show was better than Forbidden Door, and that's going to get me hate from all the right people, and that's just fine. Now, this show had a bunch of surprises, considering there was rumors about Brock coming back, and that didn't happen. There was rumors about Orton coming back, and that didn't happen. There was rumors that Cody Rhodes was going to be in the main event, and that didn't happen, which pissed off all the right people. I want to say, 
it's sort of like the situation with Biggie. Uh, when I when I mentioned Randy Orton supposed to be there and then wasn't, uh, I don't want to say that as a, what the fuck why wasn't he there? Like I'm hoping he can get back to a situation where he can come back, and it's one of those we want you to come back, but come back if you're ready type things. Brock Lesnar not being there is more or less <laughs> Brock Lesnar not wanting to be there. Um, I know there's been rumors for years and years and years that he hates the travel, which is why he's a part-timer, as well as if you could be a part-timer in WWE and make that kind of money, why wouldn't you? Um, but if he was just going to come and do a quick sneak attack on Cody Rhodes after the match, I mean, you can do that on Raw. I mean, it's a Saturday pay-per-view, and they'll be back for Raw. I think I don't know where they are for Raw, but I know next week's SmackDown is in Madison Square Garden, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, no Cody, no Orton. Uh, sorry, no Orton, no Brock, no Cody in the main event, which pissed off some people. But the show was really good, and the show was longer, but it still maintains not being like the absolute uh, sagas that some of the pay-per-views were. Um, in the years leading up to us having uh, two-night WrestleManias, where we have like seven, eight-hour shows, which was ridiculous. Started off with the men's Money in the Bank. That was announced early. Um... Again, it was weirdly announced that Cody and, and Dom was the main event. So when when they announced as well that the men's Money in the Bank was going to be the first match, it's like, okay, maybe Cody and Dom is going to be the main event. Who knows? Uh, Logan Paul versus Ricochet versus LA Knight versus Damian Priest versus Santos versus Butch. Now, before I get into the match, I do want to say anybody, and this goes for the ladies as well when I get to the ladies, anybody that does... Anybody that wrestles, period. Anybody that wrestles for my entertainment, period. Anybody that does a match like this for my entertainment, period, deserves a shout-out. Everybody in this match was great. Um, Santos and Butch and Nakamura were kind of predictably filler, but filler in the best way. Obviously, Logan Paul being the uh, the odd man out, he, he was the one, he was the guy in the Royal Rumble that realizes, shit, I'm in a ring full of people that hate me. Um, there was rumors that Nakamura was getting a new entrance debuted tonight. That didn't happen unless my sound was was bad, but he, he looks like he's into it and he's back. He's sort of like reinvested himself since his most recent comeback, which is awesome. Ricochet's always awesome. Uh, Santos Escobar, everybody's behind him. Butch, everybody's behind him. Butch, I love the fact that Butch constantly presents himself as this grappler, brawler guy, and then immediately proves it wrong when he decides to go to the outside of the ring and do a backflip off the ladder. I think that's that's a little mini story that happens in every Butch match, and it's great. Um, gotta talk about that spot, though. Really gotta talk about that spot. Now, I said Ricochet and... Uh, Ricochet, Nakamura, Santos, and Butch would not be in contention for winning this match, but they would definitely play their roles. Ricochet played his role in what was probably early contender for scariest match of the night. Now, he and Logan Paul were obviously going to go after each other after their little moment that they had at the Royal Rumble, which went viral, deservingly so. Uh, they were on either sides of a ladder, the ladder was getting knocked over, and I think the thing was supposed to be, it's that thing where you think they're going to fall off the ladder, but instead they land with their feet on the top rope, and then they do something crazy. I think they were supposed to come off the ladder, steady themselves on, <coughs> on a, uh, on a top rope, and it was supposed to go into a Spanish fly, sort of like one fluid movement, as crazy as that is. Now, this fell apart when they had to steady themselves 
in midair on the top rope while fighting the ladder, and they pulled it off. And it's not surprising for Ricochet, because Ricochet is a fucking, like, the dude's amazing. The dude does things that I can't comprehend. But he did it with Logan Paul. And for all the hate that Logan Paul gets, you can't say that he hasn't adapted to a WWE life and skill set and whatever. But at the same time, he is still new. He is still the guy that's only got five matches under his belt. So equal parts, he's punching way above his weight class as far as doing a spot like that. Also, Ricochet had a huge part to do with getting him through a spot like that. They went from almost legitimately landing on their heads to pulling off a really cool looking spot that still looked like they both landed on their heads. Now, they showed him when the match was over and his shoulder did look pretty fucked up, so I'm saying it with a grain of salt. I'm saying it with the I really hope everybody's okay grain of salt, but that was... That could have been catastrophic, and even if it came out ugly, the fact that it wasn't catastrophic is a is a credit to both guys. Now, it took Logan Paul out of the equation for who was winning, and it got down to Knight and Priest, and I really, really liked this for a lot of reasons, because obviously, Priest is over, LA Knight is over. LA Knight is supposed to be a heel, I guess, technically, but everybody loves him, and Damian Priest is successfully getting heel reactions, but it's one of those things where he gets booed on the night and then the rest of the week we get on our podcasts and on Twitter and talk about how great he's been. And, you know, is he just going to go and have a match with Logan Paul now or something like that? But it was this really cool dynamic because I said, uh, for both ladder matches, I said I had a head winner and a heart winner. My head winner was LA Knight. It made all the sense in the world. Strike while the iron's hot. The guy's over as hell. Roddy, Roddy, Raw. But my heart said Damian Priest. So here's the guy that makes all the sense. Here's LA Knight. Here's the moment we've all been waiting for. And then my guy keeps snatching it away until eventually South of Heaven off the rope and Damian Priest makes his way back up and he gets the win. When he grabs that briefcase, and I think I've put the snapshot as part of my thumbnail if you're watching this on Rumble or on, on YouTube, he looks insane. He looks like grabbing that briefcase gave him a fucking orgasm. And I think that's fucking great. Um, now, the fallout from this is... You know, does he cash in on Finn Balor when Finn Balor becomes the champion? Does he go on and uh, become the one that cashes in and wins a title instead of Finn Balor? Does this tear apart the, the Judgment Day from within? Is this where they do the J.D. McDonough stuff? Do they send him over to SmackDown to try to cash in on Roman Reigns? Does he leave the Judgment Day to go to SmackDown? All of it, all of Every single logical step of Damian Priest being the Money in the Bank briefcase holder would entail something breaking in the Judgment Day, which I don't want. But that doesn't mean that Damian Priest, who's been kicking ass recently, getting something like this isn't awesome. Um, I like, in the back, he was interviewed afterwards and he said he wanted to be referred to as Senior Money in the Bank, which I think is a nice little touch. If he comes out on Monday and the briefcase is purple. I I I'll be I'll be in my own shit there. Uh that's pretty cool as well. Damian Priest, uh, he's he's got to do something cool at SummerSlam. So, I'm not kidding. Um if you want to take him on a little side journey, I suppose, let him be the next person that randomly faces Logan Paul because 
he'll be over. It'll be one of those situations where, yeah, he's a heel, but he's not as much of a heel as Logan Paul, so he's babyface by default and all that kind of stuff. I really, it was really good. And I don't think anybody else loses by losing this. LA Knight is so situated in people's head that he's going to feel like the wronged party, even though he's also a heel. So that'll keep him in everybody's mind. Logan Paul doesn't have to worry. Logan Paul has his his spot now. Nakamura, don't know what they're doing with him necessarily. Ricochet is always good for a Ricochet match. Butch has stuff going on with the Brawling Brutes. Santos Escobar uh, has a really cool thing going with the LWO, which is still going incredibly under the radar, which is really, really sad. Great kickoff. Um, great start to the night, etc. And on the kickoff, they were saying immensely, they kept on hitting it over the head, that um, that the Money in the Bank match for the men was going to be the first match of the night, so both champions would have to be nervous for the rest of the day. They kept on hitting a little too hard on the idea that whoever won Money in the Bank was going to cash in on the night, which made me think that it wasn't happening. Uh, so when things came around later on, uh, I thought, no, they're not, they're probably not doing that, but, um, really, really bad spot on a pay-per-view is right after a Money in the Bank ladder match, and that's where the ladies' tag match is, and that's because the story wasn't the match, I mean, I, as I said, I said it in the preview, really, really happy to see Liv Morgan back, she has her own cult of fans, which is awesome, I went into this match thinking that the result was never going to be in any doubt, they were going to get a quick win over these challengers just to solidify, just so that these guys who can pop up and say, hey, you technically never beat us for that, okay, well now we have, we've beaten a fan favorite, we've beaten a powerhouse in Raquel Rodriguez, and we're going forward as these steamrollers, but no, because Shayna Baszler lost her fucking nut and turned on Ronda Rousey, choked her out, beat the ever-loving shit out of her, and left her to the buzzards. So the babyfaces became new champions. Um, in not quite a babyface way, but not in any type of healy way that they caused. So I think it breaks even then. Liv Morgan has a title again. Yes, she won another title that she didn't really... 100% win, which, booking-wise, they are going to have to fix eventually. Um, the other thing is, they, they did the thing on SmackDown, the Bailey Shotzi, um, you know, if you win, you can have my spot in Money in the Bank, because they didn't do it the week before, and Shotzi got screwed again, and they cut Shotzi's hair. So maybe Shotzi's going to go a bit crazy, find herself a partner, she'll go after Liv and Raquel, that'll be just fine. The bigger story here is Shayna, uh, Shayna looking the most like... NXT Shayna Baszler that she has on the main roster, and yes, I'm going to say it once again, this is the Shayna Baszler that was so dominant in NXT that Rhea Ripley beating her was such a big deal that they beat Dynamite in the Wednesday Night War. This is the friggin' Ronda, the, the, sorry, the Shayna Baszler that we need, and if she's going to take on Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam, I'm sorry, I don't, know where, I don't care whether you like them or not, that's a marquee match. That is a marquee match that you can put on the card alongside your women's tag team titles, alongside your world women's title, alongside your WWE Women's Championship, and you can have four times the women's matches that Tony Khan puts on an AEW card. Oh, and fuck yeah. Oh, and by the way, on SmackDown, that means Asuka now has Charlotte 
because Charlotte got fucked on Friday. We'll talk about that at a later date. That means Asuka has Charlotte to worry about. She has EO Sky to worry about with that briefcase. And she's got either Ronda Rousey or Shayna Baszler or both, depending on who wins at SummerSlam, to worry about. Does that mean that we can please now push Bianca Belair to the back of the line? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, it does. This was really cool. This was the... Everybody thought, like, if you were in the arena, this is where you were going to get up and take a piss. Sorry to say it, but it's it's that predictable and whatever. Uh, if you're at home, this might be where you go put your dinner in or something like that. But, uh, I don't know. I didn't see it. Everybody was saying that uh, the baby faces were going to lose and that Raquel was going to turn on Liv, which... Eh? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, turn on Liv, who just came back. That would be a lukewarm story. I don't know how much I want Raquel to be a heel, not going to lie. This was cool. This was WWE saying, oh, this is the match that you didn't think you needed to pay attention to. Well, here, have this. Same can kind of be said for Gunther versus Riddle. Gunther defending his Intercontinental Championship against Riddle, who was going in with a broken foot, or not a broken foot, but an injured foot that they've been targeting for the past couple of weeks. I do think it's funny that WWE, because there's not that many, I think there's, right now there's only Riddle, I think there's only Riddle, Solo, Sokoa, and Valhalla that wrestle barefoot, and I think it's kind of uh, interesting that the only person that gets shit for it online is Valhalla, is that because you're upset that a certain person that has values that you don't agree with has a job? Because that's really weird, but I think it's really strange that when they have a wrestler that wrestles barefoot like Riddle, and he's got a foot injury, or a foot, you know, not 100% Ness. Um, would they not tell the story that, hey, you know, for one night we know he's going in with a weak foot, so he's de actually decided to wear footwear or something along those lines? I don't think I've ever seen that, where, you know, a barefoot wrestler decides to wear shoes just for a night. I mean, I know Rusev came from NXT to WWE and they told him to put shoes on, so maybe I'm, maybe I'm talking out of my ass. But it's really weird to watch, watch Gunther punching Riddle in the foot. It's just, it makes 100% sense. And he put him in a, in a heel hook for the win. Uh, really, really great, simple match, great showing by both guys. Um, this was sort of a statement as well as like, this. hey, look how much Riddle got done even while he was injured. Imagine what this match would look like if he was 100%. And if that was the goal of the match, it achieved it 100%. Riddle Riddle gets a valiant loss. It doesn't really hurt him that much. Uh, there wasn't as much outside shenanigans as I thought. I definitely thought uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were going to get involved at some point because they didn't have a match on the night. But no, they were up in a skybox somewhere, and they got interviewed later in the night, and that's fine. What we did get, though, as Gunther was standing triumphant, was the return of Drew McIntyre. Now, I think he was initially injured, and then he was... He had stepped away because there was creative issues, and then there was a question about whether his contract was going to be renewed or not, which obviously or, uh, it spurred a bunch of speculation that, oh, he's going to show up at Wembley for all-in, which, I mean, non-compete clauses are a thing, so no. But bottom line, Drew McIntyre came back. Drew McIntyre came back and stared down. Gunther looked at his championship. You know, Gunther went for the chop. Uh... McIntyre came back with, I think, I don't think he has the hardest headbutt, but I think he has the most well-performed headbutt in WWE, if that makes any sense at all. 
I don't know that he's actually, you know, putting himself in, in any kind of bother or his opponent in any kind of bother with it on a real level, but it is the most well-performed and, I will say, for uh, for Gunther, the most well-sold headbutt in the game. And, I mean, it's got to be easier for him to hit a headbutt on somebody like Gunther because how many people are as tall as, as uh, Drew McIntyre and Gunther are? So they have a stare down. Gunther's down. Uh, Drew McIntyre stands over him with the belt. That's going to be a program going forward, and that's fine. If you decided to do a show, like if Seth Rollins was off shooting for Captain America, whatever, you know, B-plus player Captain America movie that he's in, and it's just a, hey, Roman's a part-timer, he's not on this show, you could have Gunther and Drew McIntyre main event of pay-per-view. Like, you really could. Uh, speaking of selling as well, I'm going to have to go backtrack once again. Even after getting her ass kicked by her own tag team partner, Shayna Baszler, Ronda Rousey had probably the sickest sell of the Oblivion I've seen since Liv Morgan started using that as a finisher. So shout out to her for that. Really cool to see Drew McIntyre back. Really cool to see he's not going over to the other side. <laughs> oh, man, that's going to make me sound like a hypocrite because I was at their show last week, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, Drew McIntyre getting an IC title run. Absolutely cool. Drew McIntyre climbing the ladder and face-to-face -face challenging Seth Rollins for that new world title would be cool as well. Um, not nearly as much shenanigans as I thought. Cody defeated Dominic Mysterio. Uh, Dominic ran away. Rhea did some interference. Cody kicked his ass. Cody got rid of the cast, so that's a thing, I guess, if you were all worried about his kayfabe arm. Uh, nothing happened. No Brock Lesnar. So this was just... Uh, Alright, let's throw Cody and Dom in the middle of the car. It was fun, don't get me wrong. Dominic's great, Rhea Ripley's great, Cody Rhodes is a person on the other side of the ring, that's fine. It only reinforced that I want the match that we're never going to get, and that's Rhea Ripley versus Cody Rhodes, because I think Rhea Ripley hitting the Riptide on Cody Rhodes would be fucking amazing. But we're not going to get that. There's a weird amount of people that want Brandy Rhodes to wrestle Rhea Ripley. And, first of all, Brandy Rhodes can't wrestle. We saw that in AEW. We saw that when she had her little faction with, what's her name, Nyla Rose, you know, what was it, the Nightmare Conglomerate or whatever the fuck she had. She can't wrestle. She's a horrible character. She's... Her character in AEW was that she was a fucking hood rat, and she came out and yelled at Dan Lambert a bunch. That was the extent of her character in the Codyverse. Whatever the fuck that was. I, I, I don't want her in a match with Rhea because we know that Rhea Ripley deals with constant injuries and putting her in the ring with somebody that can't wrestle is always going to, you know, exacerbate that for one thing. But on the other thing as well, is Rhea Ripley supposed to be a fucking monster? And if you put him in there with, with Mrs. Cody Rhodes, she's, they're going to make her sell for Brandy Rhodes. Fuck off. Like, absolutely fuck off with that nonsense. And then, before the next match, not announced, completely surprising, uh, I popped for it because, you know, a surprise is always going to get a pop, John Cena in the O2 Arena, which was weird and unexpected, and I don't think anybody in the audience really knew what to expect because normally they announce the fuck out of John Cena. He came out, and he cut this really strange promo about how WWE hasn't done a proper pay-per-view in the UK 
in, or in London or however he phrased it uh, in like 20 years and he did this whole like those people in the back don't care about the London fans I'm here to speak up for all of you and I'm like that's really weird to send John Cena out there to tell the London fans that WWE doesn't care about them but he came out there and it was like his thing I'm gonna speak for you I think you guys would like to have Wrestlemania and I just I don't think I heard his promo for the next like minute after that because I just I love I love how chaotic that would be I really do and it's it's boring logistical shit right but I've said for a while now that I love the international shows I love the the crowds that don't get serviced nearly as much as somebody like me does getting a proper pay-per-view getting a pay-per-view that's basically crafted around them uh, I love how WWE makes it feel unique makes it feel special um, like I say I've always I always go back like Puerto Rico felt different Montreal felt different the UK today felt different the Saudi shows politics aside feel different the the one in Wales last year the clash at the castle felt different and I'm gonna say it I, I I keep going back and forth on it I really don't mind the midday shows I really I really don't mind going sitting down to a WWE pay-per-view and the pay-per-view being over and me having some day left after that like I said, went and saw Indiana Jones tonight it was fine I think that much difference to the huge like week-long period of time that is WrestleMania weekend would be absolute chaos and I don't know what it looks like and that makes me want to look at it and it's one of those well like why does a why does an announcement in the UK matter to you you're sitting there just outside Toronto Canada like you're not going to the UK and you're right I'm I'm not I'm not a billionaire I don't have a private jet to to hop on and just you know show up at Wembley Stadium for an actual full Wembley Stadium which it probably would be I don't have that but I somebody else will and you know I'm not that much of an asshole that I could say like somebody else gets that really cool thing and I'm happy for them um, I used the really lazy example um, when we were coming out of COVID, right? And outdoor facilities opened before indoor facilities, obviously. What I wanted the most, uh, other than being able to go to wrestling shows, obviously, was I wanted to get back to the theater, which wasn't going to happen for a while uh, because it's an indoor, it was an indoor thing. But, like, parks opened up and, and, like, daytime play places and stuff like that opened up. And I'm like, I got I got friends with kids, and now they can go do that. That's cool. I'm happy for them. My thing is coming. They opened up golf courses, and I've got, like, three best friends and a brother and a dad that like to golf. And it's not for me, but, like, that's cool for them, and I'm happy for them. My thing is coming. My thing came last weekend when I got to see Collision. I got to sing Judas. I got to see CM Punk wrestle live. All this bucket list shit. UK wants to have a WrestleMania. I don't think I'm getting a WrestleMania here in Toronto. So let let another set of people have them. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. I think it'll be chaotic. I think because of the timing, because of the time difference, because of the logistics involved, I think it'll throw what WrestleMania weekend means into complete disarray. And I'm entirely here for that. So... John Cena was getting the crowd pumped up for that, and then he was interrupted by Grayson Waller, and I'm like, 
oh, tell me we are getting John Cena versus Grayson Waller. And he said, you know, why would we do WrestleMania here in front of these plebs? You know, do it somewhere nice, do it somewhere beautiful, do it where there's hot people and hot women and better weather because it's cold here or whatever. You know, do WrestleMania Australia. And I was like, okay. So now we're trying to... We're doing a we're doing a face heel thing. We're doing a lot of banter back and forth between John Cena and Grayson Waller. Shout out to Grayson Waller who kept up with uh, John Cena, in my opinion, on the microphone as well. But we're doing this cool thing and we're pushing this idea that UK is going to get a WrestleMania. But now we've brought this other element into it and we're pushing this UK WrestleMania at the expense of like sort of shitting on Australia a little bit. I know that's not their intention and that's not how it's going to come off. But I just thought I was like, oh. Uh, okay, all right, okay. Um, but then he said, you know, John, you know, your last couple of WrestleManias uh, were were pretty bad. You lost to Roman, and then you lost to Austin Theory. I mean, you even lost to the Fiend. I mean, I love meta stuff, but come on, like, they, they they mentioned the Firefly Funhouse, and they mentioned the Fiend. Where's the Fiend? Somebody find the Fiend. Get me a Where's Waldo book, but it's like horror version. It's like, where's the fiend? I would like that. I would like that as a custom Christmas present, you know, address down in the box below. Um, he says, well, as soon as they bring WrestleMania to Australia, I'll have the biggest Grayson Waller effect ever and I'll help your career. You can be my guest. Then he tries to cheap shot him. Then he eats an AA because it's John Cena. And, but he's, he was, he was ducking and weaving a little bit. And the coolest thing, the best takeaway from this, other than the WrestleMania talk, other than the UK specific banter and the UK versus Australia versus John Cena, who's clearly American banter, what it told us was that Grayson Waller, who hasn't wrestled yet because he wasn't cleared, is cleared because he was he was getting in a bit of a scuffle with John Cena and he was like juking and jiving and and doing that weird that weird low step low squat thing that he does which if his leg was still fucked up he wouldn't be able to do so Here's the thing, here's the thing, and here's the thing. We're going to get a marquee match at some point between Grayson Waller and John Cena. That's awesome. Bigger story, Grayson Waller's cleared to wrestle. Also fucking awesome. Grayson Waller held his own on the mic with John Cena. Awesome. We are staring down the barrel of a potential UK, potentially Wembley WrestleMania, which I think, as I said, will be exactly the kind of chaos that I want to look at because I don't know what that looks like. This was 100% a win. This whole segment was nothing but good news for me. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Uh, people said it went long. People said it was corny. But, I mean, look at the guys in the ring. Like, Grayson Waller is the heel John Cena as far as going out there and cutting a goofy promo. John Cena going out there saying, hey, I'm here to represent the fans against WWE. It was a weird start, but we got there in the end, I'm not going to lie. And what we got, you know, massively outweighs the weird start. Cool to see John Cena. I mean, they didn't spend too much time focusing on his bald spot, so that was nice, I guess. Um... Grayson Waller gets the rub. Grayson Waller's cleared. Grayson Waller's going to face John Cena at some point. We're going to get a UK WrestleMania. I don't know how many times you want me to run down all the benefits that we got out of this segment, but everybody seemed to be happy about it. And I will say, uh, I'm going to shout out What Culture once again. Not only 
uh, Wilborn and Hamlet that were doing the watch along, but Simon Miller, who was at the event and did the live ups and downs after the show, looks like so much fun. I want the What Culture guys to come into a show in Toronto just so that I can be a ruckus and interrupt Simon Miller's ups and downs. Probably give me a brown down, but that's okay. Another story for another day. EO Sky versus Zoe Stark versus Trish Stratus versus Bailey versus Becky Lynch versus Zelina Vega. Again, like I said at the beginning, anybody that does any match like this is fucking awesome. Zoe Stark and Zelina Vega were the ones that really had to show out in this match. We know Becky's going to be great in this. We know Eosky is going to be great in this. We know Bailey's going to be great in this. Um, so the two like new kids on the block that really needed to show what they could do, or at least felt like they did, they did. Uh, again, it was the uh, spot that was almost really bad. Uh, where they did the whole where there's one ladder in the middle and another one's bridged between the ladder and the ropes. Sunset flip, uh, powerbomb of sorts by Zelina Vega uh, on Zoe Stark, who planted her head like a tent spike between the rungs of the ladder on the way down. Seemed to be fine. I hope she is fine. Uh, I will say my hometown girl, Trish Stratus, looked like she was... A little wobbly in the in a, in a situation that she's not really interested or so, not that she's not interested in, but like Trish Stratus's time did not let the ladies do matches like this, and that is not a shot at the ladies whatsoever. It's why I don't mind any female superstar that wants to come back for the Royal Rumble. I'm happy for them to have it now because they couldn't have it back then. Um, I mean, obviously, somebody like Lita's a different story. She got involved in a lot of the Hardy Boys stuff, a lot of the TLC stuff. She would have been uh, much more familiar with this type of a match than Trish. And, I mean, she's not old by any stretch of the imagination, but she's probably got a good 10 years on everybody else in the ring. Um, props to her for trying. Props to her. She does not care about falling on her face. But there was a couple worrying moments. Not going to lie. Match lives and dies on its ending. Um, at some point in the match, Trish Stratus and Zoe Stark had put a handcuff on Becky Lynch. They never got to handcuff her to anything. Uh, at one point, she used it to fishhook Bailey, And I made the ever, ever, ever so clever statement that because they were both former members of the NXT4 Horsewomen, that that wasn't in fact a fish hook. It was a horseshoe. Wah, wah. That was my shitty joke of the day. Um, but it came into play later on when Becky and Bailey are going up opposite sides of the ladder. They're trying to get at each other through the ladder. They're reaching for each other through the ladder. EO Sky, who had already been knocked off the ladder earlier in the match by her so called teammate Bailey, took the opportunity to pull their hands into the middle of the ladder, use the handcuff on Becky Lynch on Bailey so that they were handcuffed to each other, couldn't climb. EO Sky climbs over the back of Bailey to climb up this ladder and get the briefcase. That was fucking brilliant. That was fucking brilliant. Um, again, I do the, the head over heart thing. I said, my head says Eos Guy should probably win this, and my heart says I would really love to see Zelina Vega. Zelina Vega looked like a million bucks in this match to the point where I have no problem with the fact that she didn't win. Uh, I got my heart pick in the guys' match. I got my head pick in this match, and I'm happy with that. Eos Guy versus Asuka is going to be fucking amazing is going to be fucking amazing. Here's the thing, right now. Here's the potential. If WWE knows what they're doing, and knows what they're doing properly, at SummerSlam, you could have 
EO Sky versus Asuka for one belt, Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley for the other belt, and an exhibition between Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. That's pretty fucking good. That's not including uh, anybody else you want to get involved. Zelina Vega could, you know, obviously strike up a, a, a feud with somebody, or if they're feuding, if the... Um, like, ran, random example, but if the uh, the LWO started feuding with the Alpha Academy, then you could have Zelina Vega versus Maxine Dupree. Oh, yes. And it would be an exhibition, and hopefully Zelina Vega would get a win, because I really love Zelina Vega to get a win. Um, I mean, Charlotte could beat somebody up. We can throw Bianca Belair on the kickoff. It's fine. But the ladies' part of SummerSlam, if we if we examine the potential that we have right now with the stories that we have right now, there's a the, the, the ladies could kill it at SummerSlam. Just just putting that one out there. Really happy for EOS Guy, and as I said, whether it's at SummerSlam, whether it's at somewhere else, uh, it's got to be EOS Guy versus Asuka, because the, the energy that the two of them specifically have whenever they're in the ring together, whether it's in a match, in a segment, in a, in a promo, in whatever... It, they, they just have instant chemistry, and it's awesome. Now, if EO Sky decides to cash in on Rhea Ripley, that will also be an awesome match. Do not get me wrong. Do not misquote me. But I'm going to be pulling for Rhea Ripley in that, because Rhea Ripley is the baddest ass that entire women's division has in that company. Sorry, but it's true. Um, Rollins Balor was weird. I was distracted during this match a little bit. I was doing a couple of things. I was watching the stream and I was watching the show. And Priest came to the ringside area with his Money in the Bank briefcase and caused a bit of distraction for both of them. And it it took away from it a little bit because I do eventually want to see a Rollins-Balor match that has nothing attached to it. Like, I don't want the Judgment Day to break up, but if they do, I want... A Rollins Balor match with no Judgment Day on the outside. I want a Rollins Balor match that maybe doesn't even include a title. I just want a match between these guys that has a finish that's not decided outwardly, if that makes any sense. The match was great. The match was fine. These guys always have great matches. Uh, go back to their inaugural, uh, what do you call it? The inaugural, uh, what was the title called? Universal title. There we go. It's tired in here. The inaugural Universal title, I mean, take out the fact that we fucked up Seth Roll or uh, Finn Balor's shoulder, but that match was a great match. And, I mean, he finished it with the fucked up shoulder, so shout-outs to, uh, to Balor on that one. Uh, Seth Rollins has come into his own with this, uh, whatever you want to call this character that he's doing now, and this version of heel Balor that we've got with the Judgment Day is ab absolutely on point. They're so dug into their characters and comfortable in their skin that there's no hesitation and I think that's fucking great. It's um it wasn't quite the show stealer that I wanted it to be. I won't lie, I won't over exaggerate like that, but it does make me want to give them another chance to give me that show stealer that I thought I was going to get today. Um which is fine, but again, with this show, uh, it wasn't this match that was going to steal the show. It wasn't even the latter matches that were going to steal this show. It was the Bloodline Civil War, the cinema, WWE's For Your Consideration uh, to the Academy. Uh, the Bloodline Civil War, Jimmy and Jay taking on Roman and Solo. And the headline, I'm sorry, I've said it for weeks, I said it in my preview, and I'll say it again now. The headline is, Jay Pins Roman. The headline is J-Pins Roman because the Bloodline Saga is the J-Uso 
story. I love the match. The psychology between all of these guys, the difference in the motivation even between Jimmy and Jay was was noticeable, uh, especially in the finish. Uh, Roman and Solo had a really cool dynamic where Roman just lost two of his soldiers, so he's really hard on the one remaining soldier that he has left, and then he realizes he has to pull back because that soldier could leave him too. Um, in the beginning, you had a lot of dynamics where uh, Roman was telling Solo when he wanted him in and when he wanted him out and whatever. Later on, as the match progressed and as Roman you know, saw it slipping away from himself, you know, dramatic head-in-the-hands type stuff. It was Solo that sort of snapped him back into it, which I thought was a really nice touch. Um, Roman goes for the spear at one point, and the Usos respond with a double spear. Now, I know that they use the Uso Splash. I know that they use better super kicks than the Young Bucks. Uh, I know that they do... Um, the Samoan drop, and most recently they started doing the 1D, which is fine, it's their version of the 3D, uh, you know, sideways winking a nod to the Dudley Boys and all that. If they want to keep using this double spear, if they want to put that into their arsenal as one of the one of the arrows in their quiver, so to speak, I wouldn't mind that at all, because it's so good, and it's such a statement against Roman Reigns specifically. It would be like um, Seth Rollins defeating Triple H, and then Seth Rollins using the pedigree for as long as he did, because you took a trophy from somebody you defeated, and now you're using that trophy to beat other people with. That metaphor didn't work at all, but I hope you get my uh, my point. Uh, at one point, uh, Jey Uso does eat a spear, and he does the kick-out thing that Roman was doing during COVID, where he would kick out, but he would kick out in such a way that hit a low blow on the other person. Finally, super kick, super kick. Uh, there was a sequence where... There was a super kick, Roman went to the ropes, he ate a spear, Jay got up from the spear, went off the ropes, came at him with another super kick. Lots of super kicks. It was a super kick party, you might say. Uh, but finally, super kick, super kick, goes for the splash. Jimmy crumples in the corner to watch Jay go for the pin. And watch, this is where it's so fucking brilliant. This is where the one person that knows Roman Reigns' gaslighting and abuse and you know, overstretching authority or whatever you want to call it is Jay. Because Jimmy was hesitant throughout the match. J uh, sorry, Solo was hesitant in the match, even though he was taking his orders from his chief. Um, but as you watch that pinfall go down, you see Jimmy slumped around, slumped down in the corner, sort of dramatic head in his hands. Jay is the one that's elated. Jay's the one that is celebratory because he knows how bad it's been, and he knows that this is a victory for him. Jimmy is still in that, oh my god, we're family, how did it get this far, dramatic stage. So the fact that it's a tag team match, two on two, and you got four faces telling four very different stories is just awesome, and I can't say enough about it, and I'm sorry, but... It's a way better story than, oh, I fought with my friend, and then I got shit-faced, and then I knocked up my wife, and then I just went away for a while, and then I came back and got a title shot. Bloodline better than Elite, confirmed. This match was great. This... I, I, I want to say that it's a segment, because it, there was more storytelling in this than there was really, really, really exciting action. People online are already complaining that it was slow-paced and that was to let the, the drama take over. And if you're not for the drama, then cool. Um, you know, if you're a vegetarian, you can still be happy for me that I had a really awesome steak and you're missing out. Um, 
it's just really fucking good. And when when Roman falls, it has to be to Jay now. Because three and a half years ago, Baron Corbin was the last person to pin Roman Reigns. As of today, the last person to pin Roman Reigns was Jey Uso today. It has to be Jey versus Roman at SummerSlam, and he has to win. He has to be the one to dethrone Roman Reigns. And I love, everybody got new belts. You know, Rhea's carrying around her new belt. Seth Rollins is carrying around his new belt. Asuka's carrying around her new belt. Roman Reigns is carrying around his three belts. Because why the fuck not? Big swinging Dick Jones on the Island of Relevancy is carrying around his three belts. And I love that. It kind of makes it look like it's an NXT title. Because you've got a red belt, a blue belt, and a gold belt. <laughs> but big swinging Dick Jones, friggin' Roman Reigns walking around with his Johnson out on the Island of Relevancy until until Jey Uso, I guess you want to say, pulls him into the deep water and finally proves to him that he too can drown. And I hope that happens at SummerSlam. Because I'm sorry, as much as I would have loved it to be Kevin Owens, it's not Kevin Owens. As much as Montreal would have loved it to be Sami Zayn, it's not going to be Sami Zayn. As much as WrestleMania wanted it to be Cody Rhodes, it was never going to be Cody Rhodes, and it shouldn't have been Cody Rhodes. At SummerSlam in Detroit, it should be Jay. Because we are going to finish the story... But we're going to finish the Bloodline story. And the Bloodline story is the Jay Uso story. Argue with the wall. Anyways, I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger, I will talk to each other later, but for right now, I will tell you.